This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ho, 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 ho. 86 M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time to the Sitters Club. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Here we are again, Tanner. Another year has passed. It's the holiday season. Ho, ho, and welcome. Ho, ho, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast in which I, Tanner Greenring, and my associate Jack Shepard talk about the works of Anne M. Martin. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas, and we're back to talk about yet another Anne M. Martin-themed Christmas novel, Jack. Yes. We're out of BSC Christmas adjacent programming. Yep. We read Jesse's Holiday Experience. We read... Yep. The... We read Jesse's Holiday Experience. We read the postcard book. Yep. We watched the BSC TV Christmas special. Yep. And now here we are... We've plumbed a, the depths. In a book that is not in the BSC universe, but which I believe sheds an enormous amount of light on everything that we've learned and in fact may hold the key to the sitterverse itself not in the bsc universe but right. penned by Anne. Anne matthews martin princess of the prince of towns stormborn soul skinner bane to bats first of her name last of her kind bringer of gifts bringer of gifts bringer of death bringer of death Condemner of the poor. I summed this up to you in a Slack message where we were talking about this book before, but I think a good way of describing this book in one sentence. Santa is real. But he can't save you from the darkness. This year, this year, we read a book by Anne M. Martin called On... Christmas Eve. It is a standalone novel. Mm -hmm. It is unrelated to the Babysitter's Club. Except that it holds the key to the entire Sitterverse. Okay, that's a bold statement. I'm glad that we discovered it. Uh, But first, before we get into this novel, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Yep, we're releasing this on Christmas Day, and if you don't celebrate Christmas, that's fine. You can enjoy it anyway. Happy holidays to everyone, and Merry Christmas today to those of you who do celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. What are you doing today, Jack, by the way? Christmas Day? We have work off. I will be, assuming I don't die in a plane crash on the way. You are. I am. In the universe where, in the many, 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 many possible universes where I don't die in a plane crash on my way to D.C. from Austin, I am spending Christmas with my parents and my cousins. Bring the boy? In. I'm bringing the boy. You coming to visit your old buds in NYC while you're up here? Uh, Possibly. Well, great. Talk to you next week. Well, there are a lot of possible universes where it does happen and a lot of possible universes where it doesn't happen. We don't know which possible universe we're in right now. All right. Well, I'm looking forward so, to hanging out with you and grabbing a drink next week. One of you is... Assuming you don't die. Um, but I, I want to ask you Thanks a for asking. I will okay. be staying home with my wife today. Um, we are going to watch Mighty Ducks and 
Oh, you're back at the reset, right? Star Trek. You're watching a good Mighty Ducks and a good Star Trek this year, yep. right? This year it's Mighty Ducks 1 and Star mm-hmm. Trek 4. Voyage Home, right? In our fourth annual watch of those two films. Yes. That's great. It's going to be a promising, auspicious holiday season for me. Nothing can go wrong. Everything is great. Next year is going to be grim. Mighty Ducks 2 and Star Trek Undiscovered Country. Well, if that's the worst thing that happens to me next year, uh-huh. I'll take it as a blessing. <laughs> Tanner, may I please ask you a question that is tangential to this novel? Yes. And that I thought of because of this novel, and this novel brings up. So yes. we, we're in the part of the podcast where we talk about the book. Okay. Where do you stand on the Santa Claus question? The Santa Claus question being... Is he or isn't he? Okay, does he, does, is he or isn't he? Yeah. Now, I think here's where I stood. Okay, before this book. Before I read this book. Yeah. Santa Claus does not exist. Okay, controversial. He is a fictional creation to help offer some fun storytelling and magic around the holiday seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Then I read this book, and you know me. I'm an Ant-Man. I'm an I'm a um, Farton Martin. Shit. No. Mar- um, Martin Man also works. Mine Martin. is alliteration. <laughs> yours would be rhyming. I'm a Martin Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an Ant-Man. You're a Martin Man. To me, Ant's word? Yeah. Gospel. I agree. Yes. So if Anne says, and Anne set up some very particular rules under which Santa does exist mm-hmm. in this book, and mm-hmm. if Anne says Santa exists, I'm not going to argue with her, right? Right. So now I am under the impression at 34 years of age that Anne, sorry, <laughs> that Santa yeah. does exist. Yeah. I think it's kind of real. where I'm at. Yeah. And Anne did a very good job of tying up the Santa mythology and explaining to me, Tanner Greenring, a 34-year-old man in 2018, why Santa exists and why I am not more aware of him. And it's because yeah. I haven't opened myself up to Christmas magic. Christmas magic, I think that's true. I think Anne makes a really good point, which is and she she explores both sides of the issue in this novel. On the one hand, the idea that there's a magic um red red coated dude who comes down chimneys and yep. and has bottomless toys and has time to give toys he, to everybody. He kind of he's he knows the spell Misty Step. Is that a Pokemon thing? D uh, D. Because he's misty steps down chimneys, right? On 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 the one hand, that seems preposterous, but on the other hand, and I think everybody should sit with this and think about this: where did all the presents come from, though? Right. Where did the presents come from? Where do these presents? So, where are these presents coming from? Well, some of them come from. And your I mom. think that's something that we all have to right? ask. Some of them some do. Come sure. From your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some no, come no from question. your dad. Yeah. Some come from your sister, but every now and then there's a present in there that's like, your mom thinks Wait. your dad left it, your dad thinks your mom left it. Yeah. You don't recognize the handwriting on it. That's from Santa. That's from Santa. Um, and so that brings me to a second question, which I think will lead into our discussion of this novel that is uh, follows on from the first question, which is where do you stand on whether he is or is not? Given that he is, is he scary? Now, this is a good question. Yeah. 
He has a, I would say, menacing presence. Yes. He's, he brings with him his own ecosystem. If you are attuned to Christmas magic, he brings like a chorus of screaming angels. Yeah. And he is heralded by an angel of... Death. Death, I assume. This is a novel about death. And if you ask him... Yeah. If you ask Santa... He has a particular set of rules that we are not fully let in on in this novel, but one rule is made clear by Anne, mm. and that's if you ask Santa to spare someone's life, yeah, he will take their life. He takes their life, yeah, right. and that that's that's the core of this. Let me read you this passage just to kind of set the scene, and then and then we can kind of go from there and maybe describe. What happens in this novel and talk about it a little bit. It's a it's a it's a lovely book. It's a I recommend it for your old, slightly older kids if you have them or if you are one. It was written in two thousand six. Um, but this passage chilled me to the very bone. She's sitting here, this is Tess, who's the main character, and she's sitting here with her dog, Sadie. It's Christmas Eve. Yes. I close the window, shutting out the icy air. But after I do, I can still hear the bells and the songs and the voices on the wind. I turn and start to slide off of my bed, but leap backward when I see Sadie sitting by my desk, her head cocked to the side. How did she get into my room? The door's open, but I know Mom and Dad closed it before they went to bed. Sadie? I say, she cocks her head to the other side. Sadie, how did you open the door? She pulls back her lips in a doggy grin. Stands up! Yes. And shakes herself. And this is what announces Santa's presence. The dog creates this rictus grin. Nightmarish. Stands on her hind legs. Yep. And then he has come. He has come. And Santa brings with him this perversion. Yes. When Santa is near, all of your pets suddenly become sentient, capable of human speech. Right. But it's, well, two things. First of all, you have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so so Tess's sister Evie is is not open to the magic and she just never experiences it. Right. So what we've what we've been privy to now is that pets year long have a human level of intelligence and are capable of understanding everything we say to them and they are capable of rationalizing everything that they experience. They're a lot like Facebook in that way. Right. Like you think of them as this like benign quiet presence in your life, but it's actually it's watching you and listening to it. It's watching you say, and understanding. And it's fully sentient. Right. Yeah. But once a year your pet is finally capable of speaking back to you and that is what Sadie does on Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah. And she answers as though she is haunted by the memories and the things that have been spoken to her from the year past. She answers every question in a very um like perfunctory like single word sort of way. Yeah. It's very frightening. Tess asks her a lot of questions. Are you capable of speaking all like do you understand me all year? And Sadie's just like 
Yes. <sighs> yes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, kid, do, are you able to speak every Christmas Eve? And she's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly a very haunted animal. It's a haunted animal, and Santa's doing it to her. I think that we owe it to the Baby Nation to describe this novel. I'd like for you to do that right now. Tell them everything that happens in this novel. Tess McAllister is a young girl, third grade. What's that? Seven? Eight? Who knows? Tough to say. Young. Young girl in 1958. Oh, yeah. That's something that's not explored. Why? She just says it's 58. Right. And also, it doesn't feel like 58 at all. There's nothing about it except that they say, I think Anne just wants us to know that she may be dead. Okay. Anne wants us to entertain the possibility that she's died. Tess is dead. Certainly, Tess's parents are dead. This is a book that's about death. Yes. Yes. I think Anne wants us to entertain the notion that Tess is in her 70s. So she she's probably kicking it, but most of the people in the novel could are be. dead. And that's what Anne wants us to know. She could her be parents kicking are dead. it, but she also drinks a lot of Coke. Yeah. She doesn't get a lot of sleep. She's always staying up. Apparently, yeah. whatever town she lives in has a problem with like cancer. Cancers. It's called. It's called hope. Something World, is right? giving people cancer. In, in I think hope it's the town from Aaron Brockovich. Hope Point. Hopewell. Hopewell, New Jersey. Please continue to describe this novel. So this young woman, Tess McAllister, lives with her sister and her two parents and her dog Sadie. Mm-hmm. Her best friend Sarah spends a lot of time at her house because Sarah's father, Mr. Benjamin, Benjamin, is gravely ill. Mm-hmm. So it's near Christmas time. Sadie and Tess spend a lot of time prepping for Christmas. They both love Christmas very much. Tess's sister, Evie, mm-hmm. is in the Christmas pageant this year. She's playing an angel. And Tess sets her mind on meeting Santa Claus. This year... She's going to meet Santa Claus, and she's going to wish for Sarah's dad to get better. She's going to do two things. She's going to finally give Santa a gift, Mm -hmm. because Santa gives her gifts every year, but she is never capable of giving Santa a gift back. Mm -hmm. And she's going to wish for Mr. Benjamin's cancer to be cured. Yeah. She stays up. She finds this beautiful snow globe that has a spring scene in it, which is uncommon, but she thinks that that will be nice for Santa because he never experiences spring because he lives in the... It's the opposite for Santa. Snow globes are opposite for Santa. He lives in the mirror universe where, for him, a snow globe would be a spring globe. Right, exactly. Yes. Yep. Also, the reason she believes in Santa is because one year there was a wrapped present under the tree for her that was a snow globe that neither of her parents remember giving to her, nor does her right. nanny in Florida. She does meet Santa. He does arrive. She does do her wish. And then Anne murders the man anyway. Anne and Santa murder the man anyway. They just murder him. And Sarah and Tess grow apart because Sarah is profoundly depressed by the death of her father at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Tess makes a concerted effort to become better friends with Sarah again. They do become better friends. The last, I would say, quarter of the novel skips by a calendar year pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. in the preparation for Christmas 1959, 
Tess and Sarah become very excited about Christmas. And in the final pages, despite everything, despite everything that Santa has done to these four women in the previous year, yep. Tess sits up excitedly, waiting once again for Santa's arrival. For death, for the angel of death, which is what Santa is. With his horrible chorus yeah, of screaming angels. Yep. And his tortured herald. Yep. And the obscene power he gives to animals to speak but once a year. To do his worst upon the world of 1959. Here's a theory I'm going with. I think we've answered, Tanner, before you give us our theory, I think we've answered the two salient questions in the positive. First, is Santa? Yes. And second, is Santa scary? Yes. Yes. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. (laughs) Oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly. Um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, And in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. That goes along with the theory that I have formed that Santa Mm -hmm. is a Hellraiser. Yeah, of course. Cenobite. Cenobite. Yeah, something that Anne is obsessed with. Right. She sees herself as a traveler in the worlds of pleasure and pain. Yep. View, meeting Santa, bringing Santa onto our plane comes along mm-hmm. with the ritual. You have to obtain an object. Of great power. He comes heralded by torture and pain. Mm-hmm. He brings nothing but torture and pain. Mm-hmm. Santa is a Cenobite that is now canon- Mm-hmm. In the Christmas lore, thanks to Anne Matthews Martin. 
Thanks to Ann Matthews Martin, and I would be remiss if I did not mention something that I imagine is on everybody's mind right now. The snow globe. Yes. You and I know, and it was pointed out to us in our Baby Nation Facebook group, which for the love of God, if you're not a member of, please join it. Go to babysittersclubclub.com and click on the little Facebook button because it'll bring you right to Baby Nation. But something that was pointed out there and I think is deeply salient to everything that we have discussed over years pouring over these texts. And time and time again has tried to justify her decision to trap the babysitter's club in amber so they never age with a metaphor of the snow globe. Yes. These girls are in a snow globe. You shake it up. It feels like things are changing. But what happens is when the snow settles, it's the same fucking scene over and over again. It's where one of Anne's many epithets came from, the hand that shakes. Exactly. She's the hand that shakes the snow globe. This novel is her trying to justify herself. It's a novel about death. They kill this man, Mr. Benjamin, and just kills this man. But the magic that brings Santa. Yes. There's a moment when uh, the main character, Tess, first realizes that there's magic, and it's described as follows. I found this very chilling. I'm looking ahead trying to see our house in the distance, and all of a sudden I can't see anything, anything at all. It is as if Sadie and I are inside a milky bubble. I stop, stand still as a statue, and for just one teeny moment I am in a room, a cozy room with a fireplace, a Christmas tree in one corner, and I hear two words in my head. I don't know who says them, but there they are. Santa Santa, Santa. Claus. This moment, Tess is inside the snow globe. Right. She's safe, I guess, with this presence that is Anne. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Right. It's not hard to get there, Anne. She's safe. And then Anne says, Anne is saying with this novel, what happens when we let him out of the snow globe? What happens when we let him out? Right. Death death is what happens. Death is what happens. He comes. I just sent you a, a video, and I want you to take three minutes to watch it yep. just very quickly, and then we'll pop back in, and we'll bridge the gap with a bit of audio from the video for you, Baby Nation. This is called Hellraiser, The Birth of Pinhead. Yeah, and I just want you to see if it somehow like aesthetically matches the scene you just set and the scene that happens several times over the course of this yep. book. I'm watching now. Is this from the first Hellraiser? This is from the second Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at the imagery around him. This is an explorer, uh, looks- like, in Africa in, like, the 1900s. And he's just, like, there's nothing around him. He is isolated. It's as yeah, though the like- world around him has dropped away. He looks like he's in a, in a semicircle. I see a semicircle above Yeah. Him. No, we'll discuss this in a second. That's the lament configuration. Yes. He found it, and he solved it. Uh, it's about to get horror-y. He knows what it's going to do, right? No, no, no. He has no idea. It's open. It's playing this, like, music box type music. There's a horrible scream. Oh, no. 
hooks have come out and are piercing every corner of his skin and pulling him down into another world. He's in a lot of pain. He's being sliced and pins are being uh, hammered into his head. Seems very unhappy about it. But he's also smiling. He's smiling. Yeah, there's a part of him that seems into it. Um, and that's it. Yeah. The, so the, I've now I've now watched it. That's the birth of Pinhead. So he opened the lament configuration. Jack just watched a video on YouTube called "The Birth of Pinhead" from Hellraiser Two, mm-hmm. and it essentially word for word matches the passage he just read from on Christmas Eve. The world around Elliot Spencer, this explorer from the early the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. drops away and he is suddenly suddenly finds himself in this other place this place that like resembles kind of like a, a half circle he's clearly in some kind of like army tent but the the reality of the world drops away right yeah it's just him and the lament configuration and that's exactly what happens to Tess McAllister several times in this book. The real world drops away in what she calls Christmas magic. Yeah. This bubble universe of Christmas magic takes over. And and then Anne kills a man. And Well, the Cenobites she, kill a lot of people. Yeah. Right? No, I think Anne is inured to it at this point. This is two thousand six, so she's been she killed Mimi, she killed Louie, she killed Amelia Freeman. Right. She like this stuff is meaningless to her now, except she she's trying to justify Abby's dad. She killed Abby's dad. Um she took Chrissy's dad away from her. Probably dead. Oh, almost certainly. It's probably a Cenobite. We don't know what happens to Christy's dad. We've read a lot of those books. Yeah. We have no idea what happened to Christy's dad, but like I assume at some point he came across the Lament configuration. I think it's gonna show up in a super special. Yeah. Um so this is Anne trying to justify herself. It's sad, it's scary, Santa is scary, Santa is, and Santa is scary. That's what I want you to take away from this, Baby Nation. Santa is, and Santa is scary. I do want to talk to you briefly, Tanner, about something that's both more light and less light. Okay. And it's the concept of horse craziness. Okay, yes. I'm interested. We know that Jesse, Ramsey, and Mallory Pike Mallory. are horse-focused, horse-adjacent. Enthusiast. Horse-interested. Horse-interested. The character in this novel, Evie, or Evie, E-V-V-I-E, who's the sister Evie. of our heroine, Tess. Sure. Is horse crazy. Sure, for Evelyn, I guess, right? Uh, here's the passage. Peanut is Evie's horse. She got him on her ninth birthday, which was exactly one year after she turned horse crazy. Right. She stables him at the Andersons. Next I time. feel like that's the real tragedy. Like, we talk about this guy, uh, Mr. Benjamin, who dies slowly of cancer throughout this sad novel where Santa Santa does his best. He eats a cookie and he gives her a gift and he, like, does some ho-ho-hos, but he can't save Mr. Benjamin. He won't. He won't. She says, he will won't. you save Mr. Benjamin? And he says, I'll do you my best. You gotta have hope in your heart, he says. And then he kills him. And Anne kills him. But I think that that's... Like, at least Mr. Benjamin knew what he was dealing with. This horse craziness is something that Evie is suffering from, and it's just... There's no cure for it. 
She goes fully horse crazy. No, there's no horse craziness. Is something that happens to you at once, and it happens that you can't come back from it. You're horse I crazy also forever. Worry that it it shuts you off to Christmas magic a little bit. Of course it does. But if Christmas magic is equivalent to the lament configuration, is that yeah. bad? It's possibly bad, but I know somebody who went horse crazy and died from it. Oh, you do. Yeah. So given the option between horse craziness and being introduced to a world of pleasure and pain and becoming a Cenobite, you would choose Cenobite. I think so. Okay. What would you choose? Horses scare me a little bit. Yeah. I'm always afraid they're going to kick me. Yeah. And, and that knowledge could drive you crazy. Yeah. Also, I rode one once, mm-hmm. and he started to gallop, and I got very afraid because it's like, I don't, I'm don't, i barely holding on to this damn thing. Yeah. So I'm going to choose... One, like, there was no pleasure in any of that. No. Do you know what I mean? It was just fear just pain. and pain. Yeah. So I'm going to choose Cenobite. Right. And that's the choice that Anne wants us to make with this novel. You know what would be a really cool Cenobite? Hmm. Snow globe Cenobite. Where, like, above their jaw, like, hmm. essentially from their upper lip up is a snow globe. Yeah. And it's, like, wrapped in, like, there's, like, flesh coming up around it, like, bloody flesh. And maybe their eyeballs are in the snow globe with snowflakes. That's good. That's a good Cenobite. And you shake it up, they change their attitude when you shake them up. Yeah, that's good. This is a frightening book. I liked it. I did like it. But like the message is that Santa can't save you. Right. Mr. Benjamin dies. Mr. Benjamin's favorite poem is the Robert Frost poem that's about death. Let's talk about this very briefly. I didn't take a lot of notes this week because this was a short book. Baby Nation, if you've not read this book, uh, it is written by Anne M. Martin. It was published in 2006. It is only, it's very brief. It's about the length of a little sister book. It's got a snow globe on the cover. It's very clearly Anne signaling to us yeah. that she knows what we know and she knows that we know that she knows what we know. Right. And it has lots of illustrations in it, and it's written for about, I'm going to guess, a second or third grade reading level. I liked it. I recommend it. It's pretty spooky. Spooky. But, so I didn't take a lot of notes, but what I did take notes on is everyone in this universe knows Mm. their dad's favorite A, Christmas song, and B, poem. Huh. Yeah, and okay. I wanted to ask Jack if you, off the top of your head, very quickly, what is your dad's favorite Christmas song and what is your dad's favorite poem? I'm gonna go with "Good King Wenceslas." Say that again. And "Good King Wenceslas" Christmas song. Are those English words you're saying? "Good King Wenceslas." Good King Wenceslas. Wenceslas, he uh, fucking looked out on the Feast of Stephen, you son of a bitch. Do you not know this shit? This is a Christmas song you're telling me? Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen, and the snow lay round about deep in Christmas. Even I'm fucking furious with you, right? Uh, w- w- are, are you, you making this up as you go along? This is not a Christmas song. This is not. Read the page and you're by me. Fuck you. I'm. A, this is a real you know Christmas this. song. Yeah. Yes. Good. King Wenceslas, you're ruining Christmas right now. Okay, I'm sorry. You, I don't. You, I'm not familiar. You've ruined with it. Christmas. I'm sure Baby Nation will be familiar with it. Uh, it's your and you say it's your dad's favorite. 
That would be my guess. Okay. Poem? I don't know, poem. I think, Jack, that it's, mm. frankly, normal and healthy that you don't know your dad's favorite poem. I can tell you right. with the utmost certainty right now, I have no idea what my dad's favorite Christmas song is, and I have mm-hmm. no idea what my dad's favorite poem is. Everyone... So why do they know it in this book? In the fiction of On Christmas Eve knows exactly right. what their father's favorite Christmas song and poem is. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this universe. I don't understand this mythology, this world building that Anne is doing. Yeah. I don't recognize this place. No. I don't recognize this America. No, I certainly don't. Hopewell Junction is a town in New Jersey. As we know, Anne is from New Jersey. Yeah. This is not the Hopewell Junction I know. And hope is what she leaves us with. Hope is what Anne leaves us with. And nothing else. And that's what Santa says to Tess. Tess is like, my friend's dad is dying. Can you save him? And Santa, like, turns his, like, old wrinkled face towards her and his little his smile cracks up the corners of his eyes and he shakes his head and he says i can't save your friend's dad but i can give you the gift of hope and then he kills her her friend's dad well yeah that's the and Anne does that's the complex rules of santa claus and so what you get is hope but it's hope dashed He'll give you hope, but he yeah. will take it away as well. He'll take it away. Right. And Anne will as well. Because Santa takes all souls so you, I kind into of, his sleigh. I picked this up as well. Is I thought Santa was a bit of a Grim Reaper type character. Yeah. No, it's death. It's death. It's death. And, and this is the magic of this book. And this is what Tass is attuned to is death. Is this angel of death. Um, Santa is an angel of death. Only Tess can see him. Well, Tess and Sadie. And Sadie the dog. Only Tess and Sadie can see Santa and Santa's herald. Right. Who they breeze past pretty quickly. The reindeer? No, the angel. The angel, right. Or angels appears. Like, Tess resolves to meet Santa. Stay up late. Stay up late, meet Santa. And Tess is sitting in her living room. Christmas magic starts to spread around her. She begins to speak to her dog, Sadie, suddenly in front of her at her Christmas tree, a literal angel appears. In a flash of bright light, much like you would expect Lucifer, the angel Lucifer, to appear. Yep. And then a moment later, the angel is gone, and it is replaced by Santa. And little ceremony or celebration is given to the fact that she saw an angel. She breezes past that pretty quickly and says, an angel did appear, but the main event was Santa. Right. And meanwhile, her sister is just full-on horse crazy. Right, exactly. Which has shut her off to the Christmas magic. And, Baby Nation, I hope that this year, this holiday season, whatever holiday you celebrate, um, you and your loved ones are neither horse crazy nor exposed to the Christmas magic that can and will kill you. Yeah, although I kind of am under the impression from this book that you have to be one of those two things. Yeah, it's one or the other. So it is Christmas Day now, and regardless of what holiday you choose to celebrate or choose not to celebrate, I do think you now do need to make a decision on whether or not you want to be horse crazy or introduced to a world of pleasure and pain, the likes of which you've never known before. So let us know in the comments. Yeah. Would you choose 
And let us know if you do choose the pleasure and pain thing, what kind of like super fucked up <laughs> Cenobite you'd become. Yeah. I think a Santa one would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Like maybe you have like a giant tumorous like goiter off the back of your neck that looks like yeah. it's like bright red and like swollen and it looks like Santa's sack. That's good. That would be cool. That's very cool. I don't know who's currently in charge of the Cenobite IP. I think it's Anne but Martin. If you're out there, hire me because I can just come up with like really fucked up Cenobites all day. Yeah. Baby Nation, if you haven't seen Hellraiser, I encourage you on this Christmas day to rent or watch download it, with your family. it and watch it with your family. It's a beautiful Christmas film. Yeah. Or Mighty yeah. Ducks or Star Trek. Star Trek for. Journey Home. If you haven't read On Christmas Eve, it's the scariest book I've ever read. Very frightening, very weird. And very good. And and we don't accept your apology for what you did to these girls. Yep. You're not getting away with this. Santa Claus, we know who you are. Yep. You wanted to create this world where you justified everything that you did, putting these girls into snow globes, shaking them up, killing their grandmothers, killing their dogs. Yep. Killing their fucking friends from school. And you're not sorry, and we don't accept your apology, even if you are. Right. I choose horse craziness. I choose to, I choose death. Okay. No, I choose horse craziness. Because we need to keep recording the show. Merry Christmas. Um, and then, as we say, this every holiday season. Okay. Um, go, go forth, you crazy horses. Go forth, you crazy horses. Third year running, we've said that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I hope that the uh, avenging angel of Christmas, Death, did not visit you. Yep. This year. Also, we're completely out of Anne and Martin-related Christmas stuff now. So, Baby Nation, please, for next year, yeah. you have to give us some suggestions. Because, like, yeah. we're scraping or write something the bottom yourself. of the barrel. <laughs> Yeah, this was a good book. It was a good book, but it was scary, and it made me sad, and it made me scared, and Anne killed a man, and... My name is Tanner Greenring. Santa is. That's the good news. But he's also scary. That's the bad news. Yes. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. My name is Tanner Greenring. I'm Jack Shepard. I love you, and I kiss you. I'm, I've gone up fully horse crazy. <laughs> Ho, 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 ho. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>